4: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni on v the sports betting network.
5: It's football season, and betters know that this is when the money is made. Nobody knows football like v and and now's the time to become a V-CIN subscriber and get our comprehensive college and NFL guides. Only v subscribers get all the tools to prep for the college and pro football seasons. Our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals division finishes, and player rewards. Sign up today for $199. You'll receive both guides and full VEASAN access all the way through the Super Bowl, or join us for $19 for your first month and see everything VEASAN has to up your betting game. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the Sports Betting Network. Just uh, clarifying, we were talking about that article uh, in NSI right at the end of our last block, the uh, the Kyle Shanahan comments on Trey Lance slash Brock Purdy, Michael, those from Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated. Uh, he was speaking directly to Albert, not actually a press conference. But, I mean, you're talking about quotes that were, <laughs> that were on the record. And Kyle Shanahan, very stark in his thoughts as far as the quarterback battle there. And it leads us into our, our NFC divisional predictions, Michael, that we're going to do starting right now. We'll get to the NFC West uh, with the 49ers. They are favorites in that division. We'll get to the, the NFC West, NFC South a little bit later in the show. But right now, let's start uh, NFC North and NFC East. So we, we're just talking Green Bay Packers expectations for quarterback Jordan Love. Year one is a full starter. Seeing right now, latest odds, Lions plus 140, Vikings plus 275. You have the Bears and pack each at 4-1. to one. Packers have gotten some long shot interest. They were at 5-1 in some shops at one point. Michael, uh, where do you expect things to play out if you're looking at the odds and, and making your predictions here as we go NFC North?
0: You know, for me, I, I, I am a Green Bay believer. I really am. I, I know we just talked about him in the last segment, but I I go back to defense, right? And I think at plus 400, I mean, the fact that the Packers and the Bears have the same win total, to me, is beyond bizarre. Like, how is that possible, right? How is that possible? I I don't understand it, right? I I don't get it. So, uh, I think their defense is good. I'm counting on Love being a good player, right? I'm counting on Love not being a superstar. I'm just counting on him executing the offense, not turning the ball over, which Rodgers did last year. I'm counting on I'm counting on A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones and those young receivers to take a giant step up. Now, I'm concerned about Matt LaFleur and his game management and game planning, but I think the defense is really undervalued.
5: No, I, I completely agree. It's funny how you look at some of like the positional rankings, and most people would rank Jordan Love you know, in the bottom five or six starting quarterbacks in the NFL simply because of the lack of, the, of experience in the unknown. Same goes for the wide receiver room with how untested it is with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs having – they're, they're kind of the elder statesmen, and they're literally coming off rookie seasons. But the defense is the part that isn't getting talked about enough. And I think there's, there's one part of me that goes, how could Green Bay have possibly brought back Joe Barry for another season at D.C.? When you think about yeah. the personnel yeah. he had, and the defensive, like the run defense was second worst on an EPA per play basis in all of football. Yet that is an objectively top 15 front seven unit. Granted, you know, you had, had Rashawn Gary with the ACL injury. He's coming back uh, this season off of that. But you have Kenny Clark. You add Lucas Van Ness. Uh, in you know, into uh, that edge situation coming in as a rookie this year. Devontae Wyatt barely got on the field in 2022. So there's also a part of me that thinks there's no way that, th- that the run defense and the defense as a whole can possibly be that bad. And if you're projecting positive regression back to the mean, despite Barry still being there as DC, then you have to probably powerate the Packers at the very least, like right there with Detroit as a co-favorite to start the season.
0: Well, I mean, but let's face it, they... Just with all the criticism of Barry, and and certainly I'm with you that he deserves some. His defense was by far better than the Bears' defense, right? Oh yeah, no, I mean, no and yeah. and let's just take the Bears and the and, and the and the Packers. They're both at seven and a half win total. I mean, the Packers have will have a passing game. We're not sure about the Bears. You know, we think because they have DJ Moore, this is going to enhance their passing game. Look, they. Both teams, we know the Bears can run the ball. The Bears only threw the ball twenty two times on average last year. Nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody talks they they were behind they were the last in the National Football League in being behind the most, and they were also the last in terms of throwing the most. That, that's pretty relevant that's pretty significant, right? So I I don't understand how these two correlate, especially when I watch the Bears like I don't think the I know they've added Edwards and Edmonds in their linebacker core. But I don't see the Bears as oh my gosh we got to go play the Bears this week.
5: Sure, I I don't know how you came out as far as just doing the you know power ratings heading into the year. I have the Packers three and a half points better than than the Bears on a neutral heading into 2023, and that means if you're looking at that Week One game in Chicago, if you're assuming you know assigning two points for home field, I'd make the Packers a short favorite. I realize it's you know it's you're going through zero. That's it's sort of a small distinction, but. But that's a pretty significant difference when you think about the actual betting market perspective and how, as you talked about, Michael, both teams have the same win total, both have the same division futures.
0: But, but, But as a Packer fan, right, so let's talk about everybody loves the Lions. And, you know, your criticism of Barry is well taken and their defensive numbers that you cited. But in the two games they played against this really explosive Detroit offense, they only gave up 34 points. Right, and one of those games they should have won. They gave up 16, and how many turnovers did you count in the red zone in that game? Oh. I think they had three, didn't
5: they? Still, it still gives me some PTSD. Just
0: I know it does. I'm, as a Packer fan, yeah. I'm sure it drives you crazy. You yeah, know, so like, why are we? And the Packers finished stronger. I know they didn't win the last game against Detroit, but they were they were starting to play better as the year ones. Once Jai Alexander was healthy, they were coming around. But to me. I don't understand how they're, they play the Lions as close as they do, and yet they're even with the Bears? Like, I, right. I don't get that. And I really don't.
5: The reality, if you look at all four teams in the NFC North, and it's not like there's been dramatic overhaul of the personnel. All four teams, if you look at, like, a yard-per-play perspective on defense last year, Packers were tied for 27th, Lions were 32nd, Vikings were tied for 29th, Bears were 31st. There's not a good defense out there, and and I'd argue the Packers are the one that at least have the ceiling and the the personnel to be much much better uh, than the rest. So we're going Packers, four to one, and I I like I like where your where your thoughts at, Michael. I completely support that, even though I have some reservations about Joe Barry uh, as a DC. Uh, let's get to the I NFC. Have East more about I yeah, have more
0: about Lafleur. Yeah, I get about it. I, I get it. Yeah. I mean I I mean I don't know what he's going to look like without Aaron. You know. Is he going to be able to manage the game in three phases? You know, I think Passaccia helps him in the kicking game. Their return game's really good, which I think really will help. You know, it's funny. We never talk about special teams. We never talk about it, right? Or the return game. But the Chiefs win a Super Bowl this year and get to a Super Bowl this year because of the return game.
5: We never talk about it until something goes drastically wrong. It seems like that's a But even when something goes right,
0: Uh, right. like if if Sky Moore doesn't return that kick against Cincinnati, that punt, they're not – the the penalty's irrelevant, right? Yeah. And if Tony doesn't return the punt against Philly – Is it you know? I mean, it's. I mean, that punt return made a difference for Andy Reid's blunders at the end of the first half. Totally. I mean, Andy Reid gave Philly three points at the end of the first half.
5: Do you remember that? And they still right still were able to uh, to get away with it. And that's what it leads me into uh, Philadelphia here because I want to get your NFC East thoughts. So we go longer shot in the NFC North. It's kind of viewed to be just a two-team race as far as the Eagles, Cowboys. Eagles minus one ten, Cowboys plus one seventy. Then you have the Giants plus seven fifty, Commanders. 10-1 Ten to one to you, Michael. I'd assume you feel like this is a two-team race between Eagles and Cowboys. Who are you going with here?
0: Yeah, I, I don't trust the Cowboys. There's something about them that I don't trust. I, I went Eagles here. And, and I want to be different. I want I don't want to be like everybody else, but I think the Eagles are just they're hard to play, right? I mean, think about this, Ben. They scored they scored 296 points in the first half last year. Right? 209 and, and here's what I think people have misconstrued. About the Eagles, if you were to ask ten people on the street, uh, did Jalen Hurts run more effectively in 22 or 23 or 21 or 22? Right. Unanimously, they would say, "Oh, he was way better in 22." Right? He wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't. He gained he gained 26 more yards, but his yards per carry went down almost a, almost a yard. He was way better off of the six-back offense, throwing it with his action in the run game. He only carried it 26 more times, 24 more times, something like that. So, like, this offense, because of their ability to score and play from in front, it's just challenging to play. And that offensive line is so good, it's hard to constantly go in there and get them to play from behind, which if I'm not sure they're, they're equipped to do, from a schematic standpoint, but they don't need to. They're running the single wing. They're running it really well. And Hertz is a really accurate thrower on the deep ball down the field. And they've got guys who can make plays after the catch.
5: Right. And literally the only, it's funny how the only statistical category where Philadelphia did not rank inside the top 10 last year was the, the run defense on an EPA per play basis. And yet you look at the personnel and you go, is there a better defensive line? Maybe San Francisco than what, what Philadelphia is throwing out there in 2023. Yeah, but it's hard to run the
0: ball on Philly because you're behind. When you score 296 yeah. points in the first half, how do you stay, How do you keep running the ball? How do you keep dialing runs up? Say, oh, let's run it here. Let's run it. No, no, wait a minute. We're behind by two scores. They went into halftime last year with a seven with a touchdown lead on average. That's I mean they scored. I mean, do you realize they scored 296 points in the first half? Crazy. They scored 447 for the season. I mean, like they they just they they ended games quickly.
5: I, I mean, I don't know where you have them. I have Philadelphia's number one uh, power-rated team going into the season, partially because you're in the weaker conference in the NFC. But still, the, the personnel they have, it's a team that uh, I, I am still very, very high on, uh, at, even after losing in the Super Bowl. And there's sometimes that, that very, very lazy narrative that, oh, you get the Super Bowl losers hangover. Well, Cincinnati proved that wasn't a thing last year. I'm, I'm definitely not believing that will be the case for Philly in 2023. Uh, Philly is part of the, the first wave of preseason games, by the way, for week two. It's already been yeah, a big tomorrow. line move toward the Philadelphia Eagles, and it is tomorrow. So we'll talk about some of the preseason week two games when we come back.
0: With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to – has anyone seen the bride and groom?
0: Sorry,
2: sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo when we lost track of time.
3: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Do you think there are secret bunkers? That's just on my list of questions I have about Jesse Ventura. It's our mission to get to the heart of these conspiracy theories and figure out the why, the how, and especially the if. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that?
4: Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka.
1: And I'm Skip Bronson.
4: with former nfl executive michael lombardi now here's your host stormy bonatoni on vsin the sports betting
5: network legendary sports better billy walter sat down with brent Musburger for an exclusive interview and the only place to see it is on vsin billy reveals his systems for betting the nfl shares some unbelievable betting stories and gives the details on phil mickelson's gambling including trying to bet on an event he was playing in check out the interview Next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, only on VEASAN. And the reason why that's next Tuesday is Gambler's Secrets from a Life at Risk is coming out. That is being released on Tuesday, August 22nd. So as we were talking about yesterday, Michael, very fun uh, late summer into fall for books being released for for the sports betting community. Because the Billy Walters book coming out next week, your book coming out uh, in September. Very, very excited, Michael. September 5th, yes. I got it all lined up, yes. Uh, I finally got a reading. copy
0: of it. I finally have a copy of it here to put up. Uh, so the hardcover, I just finally got the hardcover. I got one hardcover copy. Hopefully I'm getting more today, to, this week, to send out.
5: Your book title, again, is? Football Done Right. Football Done Right. So it's about
0: it's about the Hall of Fame. It's about the coaching trees. It's about the impact of television. Brett Musburger's impact on gambling as it relates to the popularity of the sport, which is significant, you know. Uh, I think there are three people in television that really changed the landscape of the NFL, that it was a, a combustible event, right? You had Howard Cosell on Monday Night Football, which basically made Monday Night Football a a staple in everyone's household. And then there was Brent, along with Jimmy the Greek, who was tremendous in, his, in their ability to intertwine what everybody knew was going on, which was betting, mm-hmm. into the games. And they did it in a very uh, – kind of covert way, but it led people to have ideas. And then the great John Madden, of course, who really impacted. But I think those three things, you know, when Brent was doing game, when he was doing the NFL today, you know, there was no ticker tape going down the bottom of the scoreboard. Everybody waited for him at halftime to read the scores, right? There was only one game on in your local area. If you got lucky, you got a doubleheader at four o'clock. So it was hard, and and it was interesting. One of the things I write about in the book was, uh, the Macy's hotline in the early '60s yeah. decided to put a Santa Claus hotline in, so kids all over the area could call a Santa and tell them what they want. Well, they broke the New York system phone phone system. They just shut it down with so many calls, it got overloaded. Well, somebody bought that and made that to made a sports phone out of it. So when I when I was younger. You literally could call this number because that's the only way you were getting scores. You had no idea what was happening on those other fields. You had no idea. And a lot of the people that that the the Brents create curiosity towards the gambling created this industry for the sports phone. People wanted it so badly.
5: It is inconceivable for me to even process that in my mind, how that that used to work. I know it is. I I know it is. And that's why I can't wait to read the book. Yeah, I know. No doubt. You know,
0: you— I was on, I did Rich Gannon's show yesterday on Sirius NFL Radio, and, and, and he grew up here in the Philadelphia area. and He shared the same story that I share in the book, where you, you couldn't wait for Cosell to read those halftime highlights because Amazing. they were the only clips you got. Other than the games you saw, they were the only clips you got. Like when I was a kid, I was wondering would the Redskins wear their dark jerseys or their white jerseys, you know? <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I had no idea if they did or not. Until I was praying that they were one of the five teams that Cosell would pick to show the highlights.
5: Football done right. It's all in there. Excited, excited for that yep. to uh, come out yeah, here next month. Uh, all right. So we have two divisions left for, your, for the NFC that we're talking about, your, uh, your postseason predictions here, which teams will come out of the division. Let's go south. Saints plus 120. Falcons plus 215. Panthers four to one. Bucks bringing up the rear at 8-1, we also mentioned that big season-ending injury to Russell Gage that just broke earlier today, wide receiver for the Bucks, I wasn't expecting them to be really a factor anyway in this division, Michael, but given that this is viewed to be very, very wide open, where would you look on the odds board?
0: I, I went to the Panthers. I went to the Panthers. I thought at plus 350, it was a good number. I liked them better defensively than I did the Falcons. I I wasn't sure the Saints could get it all together, So I wanted a better number than plus 130. I went with the Panthers, and I feel like after week one, I'm having hesitations and (laughs) concerns about that pick because how badly they look. And we know that Frank Wright is 0-4-1 in opening games as a head coach, that he doesn't get his team ready to play. But the Panther team, Ben, is talented. They should be better in the offensive line, which was one of their strengths last year was their ability to run block, right? They ran the ball on everybody and their receiving course, good not great and i thought Bryce Young can make a difference and i thought he looked good for what little he played what little he had in terms of protection and his ability to show poise in that pocket he got hit. even when he threw the ball he got hit so I went with the Panthers. I'm a little hesitant on that today because when you watch the Saints play against the Chiefs and you watch the Panthers play, you say, well, Lombardi, you got to be an idiot. One team looked good. The other team looked like crap. I know it's early. I know it's early. I'll stand by the Panthers.
5: It is one week of preseason as well, as much as we want to <laughs> dive in and, and react to all that. I, I'd i rate Carolina as a, a second choice over Atlanta. I I only have the gap between the Saints and Panthers, though, about, you know, about a point, point and a half to start the year. I definitely feel like it's a lot closer at least between the top with the Saints and, and the rest, if you look at Carolina, than what people are making it out to be. And the one thing I think that really goes in the favor of Carolina this year, think about the strength of the team if you're looking defensively and how good they have been stopping the run. It's a, a group that I look at, at a front seven. It's a top half unit in the league. They were t- uh, 13th in uh, rushing EPA per play last year, 12th in overall yards per drive allowed. And think about the rest of the division, Saints, Falcons, Buccaneers, especially now that the Bucs have lost a key wide receiver, you have to think, especially with the Saints and Falcons, those are going to be two teams that run a West Coast sort of slash run-heavy approach, and that does play really well, at least if you're talking about Carolina defensively, Michael, and how they'll, they'll be trying to counteract what they're going to see amidst their division rivals.
0: Yeah, no question. I, and I, I think it's yet to be – look, we know it's early, right? We know it's early, and you can't rush to judgment off of one preseason game. So I'm going to stick with what I have. But I, I kept asking myself, how did Frank Wright get this job again? I mean, because based on what I saw, and based on what he did at in Indianapolis last year, this looked kind of similar.
5: Yeah, it uh, it was not the greatest of debuts. We'll put it that way for for Carolina. Mention how they do play the Giants Friday night game, a part of three games that will kick off before we get to Saturday in NFL preseason week two. Giants and the uh, the Panthers. Giants a three point favorite there. Okay, to the NFC West, our final division to break down. 49ers. Uh, only the Chiefs are a heavily, more heavily favored to win a specific division. Than the San Francisco 49ers in 2023. Niners minus 160 right now. Seahawks come in second choice at plus 195. It's viewed similar to the NFC East to be a two team race in the West with the Rams 10 to 1. Cardinals long shots at 25 to 1. So you, you don't believe there will be a drop off for Geno Smith at quarterback in his, years, his second year in the system after getting the contract extension. Is it enough, though, to overcome where San Francisco is at from a personnel perspective outside of some of the question marks at quarterback that the Niners have?
0: I think this is really closer than you might think it is, right? I, I think Seattle has had a really good off season. I think Dremont Jones has, will help them tremendously, right? And I think returning Bobby Wagner. Now today they're going to bring uh, they're going to bring uh, Jordan Brooks off of uh, PUP, which I think certainly will help them. Uh, you know, and they drafted. They had a really good draft with Witherspoon, the corner, to go along with with. Michael Jackson and and all the other players in you know, a woolen that played at corner for him last year. Uh, so this is really a good team. You know, it's a good team. And I, I almost went there with them, but I just kind of fell for the continuity, the skill players of San Francisco and went there. But this was a harder decision that I'm going to kind of keep going through in my head because I think Seattle a really good team. And yeah. I think they've improved. And I, I think they're going to be better defensively. They were not good defensively last year. And their ability to play man-to-man more in the secondary with Woolen and Witherspoon and Michael Jackson, I think it gives them a chance.
5: I definitely feel like I'm in that category of believing in what the Se- the Seahawks have done personnel-wise to make improvements, but at the same time, San Francisco is the rightful favorite, should be minus money, and is ultimately going to win the division. Where do you stand on the you know, the defensive line of Seattle where you talk about the improvements they've made secondary-wise? And, you know, Chen and Wosu had a really good season as an edge rusher last year, but I still look at that D-line as being somewhat of a weak link, and we saw that get exposed yeah. multiple times against the 49ers in that elite run game they have on offense.
0: Well, I mean, they finished 22nd in yards per attempt allowed against them. They finished, you know, 30th in yards allowed, right? And, you know, and, and people – you know could run the ball. They were 27th in touchdowns allowed in the run game and let's face it, you know with all those numbers you say well maybe they played great red zone. No, no, no. They were 25th in points allowed defensively and their red zone and their red zone defense was 28th and their third down defense was 27th. So all these numbers I'm citing to you really show their defense wasn't good enough last year and you could see why they added Draymond Jones and they drafted mm-hmm. Witherspoon and they need Brooks back. And that's why they signed Bobby Wagner back. I, I think those additions can help because there's only one way to go. I mean, they make the playoffs last year, Ben, and I just read you some horrific defensive numbers. Remember, the Panthers went into to see – this misconception that Seattle's a good home team is kind of alluring. It's not really the case, right? I mean, the Rams the, – the, excuse me, I know we got to go to break, but the Panthers go in there and win a game. The Raiders go up there and win a game, you know, and and, you know, and it wasn't, you know, so you can win games there when you think you when most people think you right.
5: can't 49ers did on a short week Thursday night in a game. Everybody thought the Seahawks would trip them up. That was another example as well. Uh, we'll continue with our wild card teams later on. But Harry Gagnon joins the show next.
3: It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?
6: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatone, on VCN, the Sports Betting Network
5: betmgm the king of Sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of las vegas with betmgm rewards every time you make a wager at betmgm you can earn betmgm rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens planning a trip to vegas you can also convert your betmgm points into mgm rewards points that you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 mgm resorts properties located on the las vegas trip and nationwide sign up with betmgm or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with betmgm rewards Eligibility restrictions apply. BetMGM and Game Center might need to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. As we're back for the final time, been great to be in here with you, Michael. The last couple of days in for Stormy. Mm-hmm. Enjoying the honeymoon, I know, with uh, with with the the newlyweds, Stormy and Chris. Uh, we'll, I'll be here all week. Michael, we'll, we'll be back Saturday and Sunday mornings, bright and early. Excited for that, and a big thanks to uh, Caesar for running the show today. Our producer behind the glass, Nick, JB, Mikhail, Andre, Troy, all here as well, doing a, a great job at our Circus Sportsbook studio downtown Las Vegas. Steph here as well, of course. She always is, not helping run the show on the Lombardi line. Uh, we have a pro tip for the day, and then we have a little of, a little news we do want to get to as far as uh, Baltimore is concerned on the injury front. But the pro tip. Focus on underdogs in NFL division betting markets where you believe the division has more chances of variance. And I bring that up, Michael, because we talked about the NFC North earlier, looking at the Packers at four to one. I like making divisional bets where where I, I have the ability to get off of them. If something goes wrong, where let's you look at the NFC North, right? You can, you can paint a pretty clear picture towards Detroit's number getting longer as the season goes on. They're a big underdog week one to Kansas city. There's a pretty clear path where Detroit could be three to one or greater minnesota chicago are all going to be teams that i believe you'll be able to get it three to one or better at some point in this nfl season which means you know unlike say if you bet like a san francisco or kansas city to win their respective division if something goes wrong there and you're laying a big price it's really hard to get out of or have an alternative way to bet it whereas you know we can bet division odds every single week in the season and sometimes we forget that and that's how i tend to approach the divisional betting and it can be a good way towards profitability even if you aren't totally on the right side on a particular team, or you start to see some weaknesses and a drop-off as we get later in the season.
0: No question. I, I like the strategy, Ben, and I think it makes sense. And, you know, we deal with so many uncertainties in this betting market that, you know, sometimes, you know, collecting more data and letting wisdom come later is certainly a helpful way to, to make money in this
5: field, sure, absolutely, and it's why you know the two divisions. I've looked to target NFC North and then AFC North. We talked about that yesterday, where and there's a you can make a draw path toward Baltimore, Cleveland, even Pittsburgh. We view to be m- much more competitive than the market yeah, thinks, and better. those are all, all longer priced teams. I bring up the AFC North right now, though, just from our some news of the day we didn't get to earlier. A cornerback for the Ravens, Marlon Humphrey, he is confirmed to have foot surgery today. From Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network, they are hoping the Ravens are that he's out just, just about a month or so but could miss the first couple of games of the season and a guy who's an all-pro corner that is a big piece of that Ravens secondary.
0: Well, I mean, he's an all-pro slot corner. Like when Marlon Humphrey has to play on the outside corner, he gets exposed. He, he, people go after him. And he's a really, really good nickel corner. But when now that they lose him – I mean, they have cap casualty, Arthur Mollett from Pittsburgh. They've got Rocky Sin, who played corner for Vegas last year. Wasn't very good, you know. And so where are they going to get covered? Where are they going to cover? If Humphrey can't play in the slot, which really, when they're in their nickel front, he does a great job in that area. But without him, this secondary is going to get exposed. And a lot of this is going to come down on, can they rush the passer? Can they put pressure on the opposing quarterback? And I think that remains to be seen. I think there's, we get this notion that Baltimore's really good on defense. And, yeah, they're, they are at times. But there are times where you can expose that secondary if you can protect. And against Cincinnati's passing game, against Cleveland's skill with their offensive line, and Pittsburgh. I think it's hard for them. I really do. They're going to have to play a little bit outside the box. They're going to have to play more zone. There's no way Yasin and Mollett are going to go in there and play man-to-man and think you're going to win.
5: Right. A team last year, 22nd on an EPA-per-play basis against the pass. And you have teams in that division, especially now that Deshaun Watson has a, have a full season, even though we view the Browns as more of a run-heavy uh, team. But Cincinnati can throw on them. They did it last year. We watched that happen. Uh, so a lot of things still that will need to click for Baltimore in 2023, and we'll have to do so without... Uh, Marlon Humphrey, at least for the first, we expect, the first couple of weeks. Uh, let's get into the rest of your div- uh, the overall playoff teams, Michael. We talked your divisional picks over the last two days on the show. We're going to get into the wild cards right now. So we talked yesterday, going Bills out of the AFC East, Browns, NFC North, Tennessee Titans in the AFC South, and then the Chiefs uh, in the AFC West, by the way, at a minus 165 there on Kansas City in the AFC West. So your three wild card teams, Michael, are... Bengals, Dolphins, Patriots. Give us the, the breakdown on those three selections.
0: Yeah, I mean, I got off the jet train, you know, uh, just because I think it's going to be hard. I, here's where I'm concerned about my Bengal pick. Because every time you, you, you make a pick, you've got to think about why would this not work out. And my, my thought on the, is if they start five and four, like they have the last two years, it, it's going to be hard for them to catch up with that schedule. It's going to be hard for them to make up ground. And we know this. Somebody from the AFC, there's too many good teams in the AFC. Somebody's going to be left on the outside looking in. And like the Lions and like the Steelers who couldn't overcome their bad starts last year, the Bengals can't start slowly. My downfall on Miami is if Tua doesn't stay healthy and that offensive line is not very good, which I don't think they are. But they've got to be able to stay healthy. I think they're improved. They'll be much better with Vic Fangio. My downside on New England is Mac Jones, does he protect the football? Everybody gets caught up with, oh, they got a new coordinator. Everything's going to be fine. With with Josh McDaniels, Mac Jones averaged 2.5% interceptions that year. Last year, it was the same number, exact same number, 2.5%. he has got to protect the ball and be better at situational football. And if they do that with this defense, if this defense can play from in front, which I think is so critical, I think they've got a chance to be a good team. You know, and I watched last year's team and their inability to stop teams to, to, to convert third downs, their inability to play well in the red zone is what killed them.
5: And, and New England of the playoff teams you have, they would be the longer shot just based on the odds board at thirty-five to one. But Michael, keeping out the New York Jets who are nine to one to win the AFC and the Baltimore Ravens who are ten to one. As we go to to the NFC side, we just talked about this uh, earlier in the show today. Philadelphia, the pick in the NFC East. Green Bay, the longer shot in the NFC North at 4-1. to one. Panthers at plus 350, and then you have the 49ers at minus 165. Uh, who did you end up landing on in a conference that is viewed to be much, much weaker as far as depth goes, Michael, as you get uh, down the board a little bit?
0: Well, I mean, look, all this minus money on the wild cards. I went Cowboys at minus 230. I went Seattle minus 120. I mean, I couldn't find another team to replace the Lions or replace the Cowboys. I wanted it to be Washington, right? Because I think Washington at eight wins last year should have made the, the, you know, they had a chance to win some games. But I just think there's too much dysfunction within that organization offensively, too much uncertainty. So I couldn't go there. You know, I didn't buy, I'm not buying the Minnesota train that they're going to be just as good offensively and defensively. It won't matter. I I almost picked them over the Lions, but I went that way. Again, I'm not on the Carolina Panthers. I think if I look at this today, based on week one of the preseason, I should probably had the Saints. I would have picked the Saints over the Lions as a wild card, only because I, I I have I think the Lions are going to have a hard time going from good to great. I really do. I think it's hard for team. It's harder for teams to do that. And I don't think Goff can protect the ball like he did last year
5: expectations. When it, when they rise, it's a, it's a whole new ball game. And it, it's just funny how we saw last year. I mean, Dan Campbell's Lions got a ton of buzz in the preseason, totally fell flat on their face out of the gate, then had the amazing second half of the season stretch. I just wonder with another year after failing to meet expectations a season ago, even though you know, technically we view that as a really successful season because of how it ended in Detroit, does that year of strength and growth from Campbell now having more time and reps as a head coach, does that Proved to prosper in 2023. I think it's a nice thought to have, but as we've talked about, Michael, personnel wise still a ways to go there for Detroit.
0: Well, uh, the other thing still you have to talk about too is teams preparing in an off season to get ready for you, right? Like teams are getting ready for the Giants. They know how the Giants want to play and the Giants have to play a certain way with Daniel Jones, the quarterback. It's the same thing with the Lions. They want to play a certain way with Jared Goff and teams get ready for how they handle your offense or defense. They study you in the off season. You know, that's where Philly will stumble a little bit. Teams have spent a lot of time studying this six-pack offense. Now, can they make it – can they stop it? That remains to be seen. Sure. I,
5: if you think about defenses against Jared Goff and the Lions, I, I got to think we see a lot of hands up at the line of scrimmage looking to just bat down Jared Goff. He had a two-step drop quick passes this year. Going to be a lot of adjustments. See how the Lions can overcome that in 2023. All right, Michael, I'll see you again on Saturday morning, bright and early, 10 a.m. Eastern. Excited for that. Enjoy enjoy the concert. Uh, you got a little Springsteen action here. I'll be back with Jonathan Von Tobel tomorrow on the Lombardi line. Uh, always a pleasure, Michael. I Bean can't with you. wait.
0: Thank you, Ben. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, and, uh, Caesar. Thanks, you. Caesar Steph. doing
5: a great job as well, helping run the show today here from downtown Las Vegas in our Circus Sportsbook studio. So for Michael Lombardi, whole team here at Vsin I'm Ben Wilson, saying so long. Latest edition of the Lombardi Line in the books on Vsin, the sports betting network.
3: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW prohibited by loss. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: I'm John Seifer and I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission and implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.